0: This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Lone Star Ranger by Zane Gray, Chapter 3. Late that day, a couple of hours before sunset, Duane and Stevens, having rested their horses in the shade of some mesquites near the town of Mercer, saddled up and prepared to move. "'Buck, as we're lookin' for grub, and not trouble, I reckon you'd better hang up out here,' Stevens was saying, as he mounted, "'You see, towns and sheriffs and rangers are always lookin' for new fellers gone bad. They sort of forget most of the old boys.' except those as are plumb bad. Now nobody in Mercer will take notice of me. Reckon there's been a thousand men run to the river country to become outlaws, as yours truly. You just wait here and be ready to ride hard. Maybe my besetting sin will go operating in spite of my good intentions, in which case there'll be--" His pause was significant. He grinned and his brown eyes danced with a kind of wild humor. "'Stevens, have you got any money?' asked Duane. "'Money!' exclaimed Luke, blankly. "'Say, I haven't owned a two-bit piece since, uh, well, for some time.' "'I'll furnish money for grub,' returned Duane, "'And for whiskey, too, provided you hurry back here without making trouble.' sure you're a downright good pod, declared stevens in admiration as he took the money i give you my word buck and i'm here to say i never broke it yet lay low and look for me back quick with that he spurred his horse and rode out of the mesquites toward the town at that distance about a quarter of a mile mercer appeared to be a cluster of low adobe houses set in a grove of cottonwoods pastures of alfalfa were dotted by horses and cattle. Duane saw a sheepherder driving in a meager flock. Presently Stevens rode out of sight into the town. Duane waited, hoping the outlaw would make good his word. Probably not a quarter of an hour had elapsed when Duane heard the clear reports of a Winchester rifle, the clatter of rapid hoof-beats, and yells unmistakably the kind to mean danger for a man like Stevens. Duane mounted and rode to the edge of the mesquites. He saw a cloud of dust down the road and a bay horse running fast. Stevens apparently had not been wounded by any of the shots, for he had a steady seat in his saddle, and his riding, even at that moment, struck Duane as admirable. He carried a large pack over the pommel, and he kept looking back. The shots had ceased, but the yells increased. Duane saw several men running and waving their arms. Then he spurred his horse and got into a swift stride, so Stevens would not pass him. Presently the outlaw caught up with him. Stevens was grinning, and there was now no fun in the dancing eyes. It was a devil that danced in them. His face seemed a shade paler. Was just coming out of the store?' yelled Stevens. "'Ran plumb into a rancher who knowed me. He opened up with a rifle.' think they'll chase us?" They covered several miles before there were any signs of pursuit, and when horsemen did move into sight out of the cottonwoods, Duane and his companions steadily drew farther away. "'No hosses in that bunch to worry us,' called out Stevens. Duane had the same conviction, and he did not look back again. He rode somewhat to the fore, and was constantly aware of the rapid thudding of hoofs behind as Stevens kept close to him. At sunset they reached the willow brakes and the river. Duane's horse was winded and lashed with sweat and lather. It was not until the crossing had been accomplished that Duane halted to rest his animal. Stevens was riding up the low, sandy bank. He reeled in the saddle. With an exclamation of surprise, Duane leaped off and ran to the outlaw's side. Stevens was pale, and his face bore beads of sweat. The whole front of his shirt was soaked with blood. You are shot! cried Duane. Well, who in hell says I wasn't? Would you mind giving me a lift on this here pack? Duane lifted the heavy pack down, and then helped Stevens to dismount. The outlaw had a bloody foam on his lips, and he was spitting blood. Oh, why didn't you say so? cried Duane. I never thought. You seemed all right. Well, Luke Stevens may be as gabby as an old woman, but sometimes he doesn't say anything. It wouldn't have done no good. Duane bade him sit down, removed his shirt, and washed the blood from his breast and back. Stevens had been shot in the breast, fairly low down, and the bullet had gone clear through him. His ride, holding himself in that heavy pack in the saddle, had been a feat little short of marvellous. Duane did not see how it had been possible, and he felt no hope for the outlaw. But he plucked the wounds and bound them tightly. feller's name was Brown, Stephen said. Me and him fell out over a hoss I stole from him over in Huntsville. We had a shootin' scrape then. Well, as I was straddlin' my hoss back there in Mercer I seen this Brown and seen him before he seen me. Could have killed him, too. But I wasn't breaking my word to you. I kind of hoped he wouldn't spot me. But he did. And fust shot he got me here. What do you think of this hole?" It's pretty bad, replied Duane, and he could not look the cheerful outlaw in the eyes. I reckon it is. Well, I've had some bad wounds I lived over guess maybe I can stand this one. Now, Buck, get me some place in the brakes, Leave me some grub and water at my hand, and then you clear out." "'Leave you a here alone?' asked Duane sharply. "'Sure. You see, I can't keep up with you. Brown and his friends will follow us cross the river a ways. You've got to think of number one in this game.' "'What would you do in my case?' asked duane curiously "Well, i reckon i'd clear out and save my hide replied stevens duane felt inclined to doubt the outlaw's assertion for his own part he decided his conduct without further speech first he watered the horses filled canteens and water bag and then tied the pack upon his own horse that done he lifted stevens upon his horse and holding him in the saddle Turned into the brakes, being careful to pick out hard or grassy ground that left little signs of tracks. Just about dark he ran across a trail that Stevens said was a good one to take into the wild country. Reckon we better keep right on in the dark till I drop, concluded Stevens with a laugh. All that night Duane, gloomy and thoughtful, attentive to the wounded outlaw, Walked the trail and never halted till daybreak. He was tired then and very hungry. Stephen seemed in bad shape, although he was still spirited and cheerful. Duane made camp. The outlaw refused food, but asked for both whiskey and water. Then he stretched out Buck will you take off my boots?" he asked with a faint smile on his pallid face. Duane removed them wondering if the outlaw had the thought that he did not want to die with his boots on. Stephen seemed to read his mind. "'Buck, my old daddy used to say that I was born to be hanged. But I wasn't, and dying with your boots on is the next worst way to croak.' "'You've a chance to to get over this,' said Duane. "'Sure, but I want to be correct about the boots, and say, pard, If I do go over, just you remember that I was appreciating of your kindness." Then he closed his eyes, and seemed to sleep. Duane could not find water for the horses, but there was an abundance of dew-wet grass upon which he hobbled them. After that was done he prepared himself a much-needed meal. The sun was getting warm when he lay down to sleep, and when he awoke it was sinking in the west. Stevens was still alive for he breathed heavily. The horses were in sight. All was quiet except the hum of insects and the brush. Duane listened awhile, then rose and went for the horses. When he returned with them he found Stevens awake, bright-eyed, cheerful as usual, and apparently stronger. "'Wow, Buck, I'm still with you, and good for another night's ride,' he said. "'Guess about all I need now is a big pull on that bottle help me will you there that was bully i ain't swallowing my blood this evening maybe i bled all there was in me while duane got a hurried meal for himself packed up the little outfit and saddled the horses stevens kept on talking he seemed to be in a hurry to tell duane all about the country another night ride would put them beyond fear of pursuit within striking distance of the Rio Grande and the hiding-places of the outlaws. When it came time for mounting the horses, Stephen said, "'Reckon ye can pull on my boots once more.' In spite of the laugh accompanying the words, Duane detected a subtle change in the outlaw's spirit. On this night travel was facilitated by the fact that the trail was broad enough for two horses abreast, enabling Duane to ride while upholding Stevens in the saddle. The difficulty most persistent was in keeping the horses in a walk. They were used to a trot, and that kind of gait would not do for Stevens. The red died out of the west. A pale afterglow prevailed for a while. Darkness set in. Then the broad expanse of blue darkened and the stars brightened. After a while Stevens ceased talking, and drooped in his saddle. Duane kept the horses going, however, and the slow hours wore away. Duane thought the quiet night would never break to dawn, that there was no end to the melancholy brooding plain. But at length a grayness blotted out the stars and mantled the level of mesquite and cactus. Dawn caught the fugitives at a green camping site on the bank of a rocky little stream. Stevens fell a dead weight into Duane's arms and one look at the haggard face showed Duane that the outlaw had taken his last ride. He knew it, too. Yet that cheerfulness prevailed. "'Buck, my feet are awful tired packin' them heavy boots,' he said, and seemed immensely relieved when Duane had removed them. This matter of the outlaw's boots was strange, Duane thought. He made Stevens as comfortable as possible. Than attended to his own needs, and the outlaw took up the thread of his conversation where he had left off the night before. This trail splits up a ways from here, and every branch of it leads to a hole where you'll find men. A few maybe be like yourself, some like me, and gangs of no good hoss thieves, rustlers, and such. It's easy livin', Buck. I reckon though that you'll not find it easy you'll never mix in. You'll be a lone wolf. I've seen that right off. Well if a man can stand the loneliness, and if he's quick on the draw, maybe lone wolfin' it is the best. Sure, I don't know. But these fellers in here will be suspicious of a man who goes it alone. If they get a chance they'll kill you." Stevens asked for water several times. He had forgotten, or he did not want the whiskey his voice grew perceptibly weaker be quiet said duane talkin uses up your strength all oh, i'll talk till i'm done he replied doggedly see here pard you can gamble on what i'm tellin you and it'll be useful from this camp we'll you'll meet men right along and none of them will be honest men all the same some are better than others. I've lived along the river for twelve years. There's three big gangs of outlaws, King Fisher. You know him, I reckon, for he's half the time livin among respectable folks. King is a pretty good feller. It'll do to tie up with him and his gang now. there's Cheseldine, who hangs out in the rim rock way up the river. He's an outlaw chief. I never seen him, though I stayed once right in his camp. Late years he's got rich, and keeps back pretty well hid. But Bland, hmm, I knowed Bland for years, and I haven't any use for him. Bland has the biggest gang. You ain't likely to miss striking his place some time or other. He's got a regular town, I might say. Sure, there's some gambling and gunfightin' goin' on at Bland's camp all the time. Bland has killed some twenty men, and that's not countin' greasers. Here, Stevens took another drink and then rested for a while. You ain't likely to get on with Bland," he resumed presently. "You're too strappin', big, and good lookin' to please the chief, for he's got women in his camp." Then he'd be jealous of your possibilities with a gun. Sure I reckon he'd be careful, though. Bland's no fool, and he loves his hide. I reckon any of the other gangs would be better for you when you ain't goin' it alone. Apparently that exhausted the fund of information and advice Stevens had been eager to impart. He lapsed into silence and lay with closed eyes. Meanwhile the sun rose warm, the breeze waved the mesquites. The birds came down to splash in the shallow stream. Duane dozed in a comfortable seat. By and by something roused him. Stevens was once more talking, but with a changed tone. Feller's name was Brown, he rambled. We fell out over a hoss I stole from him in Huntsville. He stole it, fuss. Brown's one of them sneaks. Afraid of the open. He steals and pretends to be honest. Say Buck, maybe you'll meet Brown some day. You and me are pards now. I'll remember if I ever meet him, said Duane. That seemed to satisfy the outlaw. Presently he tried to lift his head but had not the strength. A strange shade was creeping across the bronzed, rough face. My feet are pretty heavy. Sure you got my boots off? Duane held them up, but was not certain that Stevens could see them. The outlaw closed his eyes again and muttered incoherently. Then he fell asleep. Duane believed that sleep was final. The day passed, with Duane watching and waiting. Towards sundown, Stevens awoke, and his eyes seemed clearer. Duane went to get some fresh water, thinking his comrade would surely want some. When he returned, Stevens made no sign that he wanted anything. There was something bright about him. And suddenly Duane realized what it meant. Pard! You, you stuck to me, the outlaw whispered. Duane caught a hint of gladness in the voice. He traced a faint surprise in the haggard face. Stephen seemed like a little child. To Duane the moment was sad, elemental, big. With a burden of mystery he could not understand. Duane buried him in a shallow arroyo, and heaped up a pile of stones to mark the grave. That done, he saddled his comrade's horse, Hung the weapons over the pommel, and mounting his own steed, he rode down the trail in the gathering twilight. End of chapter.